four of Opposites React. Today is Wednesday, February 19th, 2020, and I'm here with Sarah. Yo, yo. And of course, this is Tyler. Um, so, yeah, this week, uh, not uh, not a bunch of planned content this week. I mean, I got a few things we can talk about here, but we didn't really see a lot of new media, new movies and shows, and it wasn't a very busy week. But uh, I did find some interesting topics to talk about, and it is there's going to be sort of a central theme today, which I'm sure Sarah won't be pleased with. But wonderful! Is that all baseball? Is it all your mock drafts? No, it's not under baseball. <laughs> okay, cool. no, it's so it's so movie related, but okay. it's just about a very specific franchise that you're probably not a fan of. But I'm so intrigued now. Since, since there is an upcoming release for it, we're going to discuss okay. it. But uh, before we get into that, I will discuss the one I guess new movie that I saw recently. Actually, I just saw it um, this past Monday. That was the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, I totally forgot already. <laughs> How was it? You know what? It was actually really, really good. Like better than I expected. Like I went I in think with that's what everybody says. I went in with good expectations because again, like Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes was trending somewhere in the mid sixties, and uh, you know, before I'd seen, like, I was already kind of excited going in. Uh, was having seen the trailer because I wanted to see, you know, like how how crazy Jim Carrey was going to mm-hmm. be in it. But also, I, I think they did a good job, you know, fixing the the CGI on Sonic Thank character. Goodness. And uh, and actually, like the movie's only about I think an hour and forty five minutes if you count credits, and uh, so it's not super long. But no, I mean I I went to the theater, uh, tons of kids there, and you know took 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 our son as well, so he he really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it definitely has a, a good mix of like enough for the kids, enough for the adults, and like Jim Carrey's performance, which I'd heard in all the reviews, is what definitely makes the movie. Um, it wasn't like super over the top like I expected. There's definitely some of that '90s Jim Carrey coming out, but he actually played it kind of menacingly. Like, there's scenes where he's, like, inti- straight up intimidating people, and he can do that. You see, I've seen him in some darker roles where he's actually kind of a scary dude when he wants to be. And even, like, some physical scenes where he, like, just, like, starts throwing fists at the main character. And I'm like, okay, so he's, this, this Dr. Robotnik's got a little edge to him, right? <laughs> but, no, it was... Um, he's the villain. He should have an edge. Yeah, but you don't know, expect him to... Especially in a kid's movie, you don't expect a guy to be punching the, the main character. Well, I don't want to call it... Sonic is the main character, but, like, the main human character. Yeah. You know, Sonic's... Sonic's cop friend Tom. Um, no, you know what? The plot was really straightforward. Um, it was really weird, though. I'd seen this in the reviews. I don't know if it's, I'm sure it's intentional, but there's so many references in the movie to, like, so Sonic has these rings mm-hmm. that when he throws the rings, he can go to like alternate dimensions, alternate worlds to like escape from people that are hunting him, right? And uh, his the person at the beginning of the uh, the movie. Oh my gosh, I can't remember her name right now. The one who raised him when he was a kid. She gave him the rings and. Uh, she always told him that if you're in danger, go to the mushroom world. Oh, why so, would they do that? So like, but they reference it like several times in the movie, and like they were like trying to tie in like Mario to this, like the Mushroom Kingdom. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that'd be weird. Yeah, but it's just interesting if they ever kind of go down there. I don't know if Sega would ever. Well, I, they do Mario and Sonic. It's another games. So it's not like they don't have ties. I can't see Nintendo collaborating on a movie. It's just that it's weird that's an American thing going forward. Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting though. The climax, like the final fight, was really cool with Robotnik. Um, like Sonic's character, the guy who does the voice acting for Sonic, I think it's Ben Schwartz. Um, he's really good, great in the role. Great, great. Got anybody who's played the games or seen any other Sonic media, you know. Lots of anime. Yeah, exactly. Plays Sonic media, so like you know what Sonic's voice is supposed to be like. Kind of got that playful yeah. Joker style to him. But uh, no, I, I'd really, I would recommend the film to whether you have kids or not, even if you're someone in you know when you're. 30s that has a nostalgia for Sonic. Um, it's definitely one of the better video game movies. Uh, what if I have no nostalgia for Sonic? You don't really need it. Like, there's some references that obviously only Sonic fans would get, but even if you went in totally blind, like, it would be, I think, still a, a, a really good watch. Yeah, okay. Definitely. I'll trust you. 
Um, yeah, so unfortunately that was the only thing uh, I kind of got around to watch this week. I haven't really got back to my Netflix uh, wa- uh, wish list yet. Although I do have a couple movies I plan to watch on before the end of the month on Netflix. Um, what do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about what you put played recently? I guess we'll talk about your. I don't know. Well, first off, I did watch something with you. I watched Toy Story four for the first time. Oh yes, that's right. Um, what was your impression of it? Uh, our son loves it, and he loves Duke Boom and Forky in general. But I wasn't so in love with it. Okay, take putting aside if you don't want to compare it to the other three. If okay. it was its own standalone thing, it would have been worse. <laughs> okay, so it's only better because you have that built-in yeah. foundation. Okay. What didn't you like about it? I don't know if I like the turn of events in the end. Like, I don't like that it was a love story. Between Woody and Bo Peep? Yeah. You know, that's, what, that's what built up a bit over the other films, though. No, I understand. Like, I just don't, I don't know it's how like it came out of nowhere. I feel about yeah. it. Well, how'd you like the new characters integrations, then? Like, Forky and Duke Kaboom. Do they factor into the plot well, you think? Yeah, Forky I thought especially. Duke Kaboom was a bigger character than he was. No. Oh, you, mean, he you thought he was up. going to be, you mean? Yeah, yeah. he's not in it very much. No. Um, uh, Forky was good, though. I like the I like the ending, but um, yeah, no, it wasn't as amazing as I thought it would be. But it wasn't bad either by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's just you know you sort of have that Pixar reputation to live up to. Well, you I know, haven't been really reaching it lately. Well, Inside Out was my last favorite one. Like I would say, in terms of a, because um, obviously, like you know, it used to be blasphemy to think of of Pixar doing a, a sequel. Like, besides, like well, cars, like but, like I mean, Toy Story, Toy Story too. But then, like I'm talking about like when they came around with like Incredibles two finally came out, and, and then Finding Dory. Finding Dory. Honestly, Finding Dory is probably one of my favorite Pixar films. I, think I that like Finding Dory. I think much. it better than Finding Nemo. I like it better than Toy Story Four. And Finding Dory <laughs> holds up really well. Like it's a really good film. Yeah, no, I actually rewatched that one. Mm-hmm. I have rewatched that one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, that was what I watched. I think that's the only thing I might have watched. I, don't, I think there's been rumors of a Toy Story Five. I don't I see. Think there will I don't be. see why. Well, what, what what side do you go on now? Do you go on the Woody side or do you go on the Buzz side? I think you go on the Buzz side now. I think, you I, have I think to. Buzz wasn't in this very much. No, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, Tim like, didn't have a big part in this. Yeah, Tim Allen too busy, or did they just not really? I don't think he was written into it that much. Yeah. So I don't know if they they would rather go the other way because I did think like Bo Peep's storyline was funny. I th- I thought it was actually an interesting storyline. Um, so I want to kind of see Woody in that role with her. But uh, I felt bad for all the other toys really getting no showtime. This was a Woody story. Yeah, which again I think is, is warranted. I mean, Woody's had kind of a arc in this series. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, and Tom Hanks kind of deserves that. He had some good moments in this film where he, you know. Oh yeah, the voice acting was phenomenal. Well. Yeah, that one scene where he sort of blows up on Bo Peep a bit when he remember we're talking about like after the cat chases them and then they're the he wants to go back for Forky and they're like no let's just give up and go and then I can't remember exactly what he says but you know the way Tom Hanks tells he says something like this is all I know how to do yeah <laughs> or like you know and then you feel him kind of trips Bo Peep like you know something uh, something a lost toy would know about loyalty <laughs> oh snap yeah what he had some zings <laughs> but, nah, it's still a really good film like, it's better, still better than Toy Story two in my opinion. I think we agreed yeah, two was on the bottom of our hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, I think like Lucas likes it, obviously. Well, he can keep watching it then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could, I'd watch it again. It still has some rewatch value for me. That was my second time seeing it. I saw it in theaters. Uh, but yeah, you uh, it didn't, co- didn't didn't grab you, but that's I mean, okay. That's okay. I still have inside out and up and Anyth- uh, anytime you get to, anytime you get to a fourth movie in a series, yeah. I think if it, especially an animated series, uh, if it can still give you something, I think that's. That's true. It's a good sign. I'm sure there's a good one coming. It makes money. So, okay, before we get, actually, I'm going to look at my notes here. Before we get into the theme of what we're going to talk about probably for about 20 minutes or so, um, oh I guess we'll go with some other smaller topics first. We won't segue into that yet. 
Um, so it's interesting. I was uh, reading on, okay, what do you call it? Reset, reset era? I call it reset era. Reset era, the forum that we usually yeah. peruse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Movies, frequent. games, whatever. Yeah, it's, you know. Um, there was a really good topic on there the other day that I liked reading uh, about films, and it, it's not necessarily about B-movies. Now, when I say B-movies, though, I don't mean, like, you might think of Adam Sandler's movies like B-movies. I don't mean uh, that. I mean a movie that has an intentionally small budget or even, like, is intentionally poorly made, but it's going for that campy, yeah. like, you know, sh- like, straight-to-DVD kind of garbage, <laughs> but can still have some redeeming... Fa- like, an interesting... It was the forum topics were kind of split on a, a couple of sides. There was... Some people can really appreciate the... Like, I like that someone said, watching... Um, sort of int- if you want to call it intentionally terrible movies helps you appreciate good films better you know what I mean <laughs> so is that the B-movie's purpose <laughs> no no I'm not saying that but I mean like because some, some people are saying like I don't have time to watch B-movies like, why would I waste my time watching B-movies yeah. when there's so many other good movies I could watch out there and I understand that viewpoint mm-hmm. especially as you get older and you have less time yep. but I did appreciate that that, that uh, viewpoint that someone had like because if someone says you know you know, you know when someone says like oh Batman v Superman is the worst movie I've ever seen it's like come on that's hyperbole like you've definitely then you haven't seen enough bad movies mm-hmm. if that's because like a movie that it, sure it can be a flop because the script didn't work or something but you can't say that's the worst movie you've ever seen so, or same with someone saying like Star Wars Episode 8 was the worst mm-hmm. movie I've ever seen it's like come on like watch some really intentionally bad <laughs> movies and then tell me that that's the worst you've ever seen but um I don't know. I remember when I was a, uh, I don't say a kid. Like I'd say, like in middle school or even going into high school, uh, I would go to the video store and. Um, you just rented a bunch of garbage. Yeah, I would, I would rent. I would look for like I would look for the box art on the films. Yeah. I was like, okay, that looks terrible. And then you know, you go over to a friend's house, grab some pizza, and just watch some terrible movies. It was yeah. it's a fun time, right? Like there was, I think the the, the original poster on that that thread I was reading the other day about B movie. <laughs> he posted a box art for this movie, and I don't know how old it is, but it was <laughs> it was called Velocipaster. Yes, see that sounds amazing. And the plot, <laughs> like the the premise for it, sounded so ridiculous. Where it's like, you tell someone, I'm having a blast writing this down. Like, see the thing is though, someone said. Like something like that is funny, but then you think about like the last what was it five six years ago when those Sharknado movies started coming out on like mm. Sci Fi Channel. Those were yeah, those were intentionally bad, but they were made in a way that just felt kind of disingenuous. Like it's like okay, we're gonna because they actually had a decent budget, but they're like we're gonna go in as hard, we're gonna get the like most D list actors we can think of, we're gonna uh. use the most one of the worst CGI ever. Like they were going at it a little on a different perspective then so some people like genuinely want to make a good B movie they just don't have the budget or the talent involved some to, people to want pull to make it a off. good movie and don't have the t- <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I don't know I thought that was a fun thing to consider like I again I I don't know I always think of that when I I think of uh, when I like the other day I was looking at your dad's your dad's Netflix list mm-hmm. like the stuff that he's um watched recently and like some of the movies on there and I'm like it's stuff that I probably never watched it's just like actors i recognize but who are way past their prime to do like yeah, this that's, just, well that's what i think of a b movie i think of that's where the actors go to peter out their career like, like the like all the bruce willis films yeah. that he does like straight like, Nicholas cages yeah those kind of things of right yeah road crisis. but i don't know i just uh i don't know he watches the trailer that's on like the netflix screen and yeah. that's how he chooses <laughs> what to watch yeah I don't know. Some people just like watching that disposable entertainment. You don't have yeah. to think too hard. It's just like just watch whatever garbage is on screen. And <laughs> enjoy it. So I don't know. I just some people like that. Yeah. Um. So I talked about um a few films that I'm looking forward to coming out in 2020. I'm not gonna go down. I could go. To, I mean, if I talked about all the films I want to see, we could be here for an hour. 
But I picked out. Give me some most recent, more recent. Yeah, I did. I just picked out three, like three, something that come out in the next three months. Okay. So I picked. So so for for March, actually March sixth is uh, one I'm looking forward to coming out. It's called The Way Back, and it's with Ben Affleck. Oh. And uh, you know, don't. Why does he deserve an O? I don't love Ben Affleck. Okay. Well, in this one, the reason why I'm interested for this one is because, well, a the director, the director is Gavin O'Connor, and he's done. I don't think he's done a film I haven't liked. Like he's done, he does a lot of sports films. So he did like Miracle, which was about like the U.S. the hockey team that beat Russia back in the, oh. was the '80s. He did Warrior, the one with Tom Hardy about the MMA wrestling, and he did um that he did the one a few years ago with Ben Affleck, like The Accountant. Yes, but, I know The Accountant. Yeah. So this is not the first time working with Affleck, but this one's about. I don't think it's based on a true story or anything, but it's I mean it's based on a book. I should have read the Wikipedia better, but <laughs> uh, but Ben Affleck based this is where because Ben Affleck like if you didn't know anything about him the last couple of years in real life, he I think he went to rehab. He yes, had al- he did. Uh, alcohol I abuse. I believe that was the problem. Yeah, um, and uh, so this movie, so I'm sure this movie speaks to him because in this movie he's playing a washed up basketball. Like he used to be a basketball coach and then stop for every reason maybe because of alcohol i don't know but so he plays an alcoholic essentially in this movie and he gets recruited to go back to his former high school to be the the coach there for the high school basketball team and but if you watch trailer it's just like it really looks like he's putting his all into this role like i mean and when i think about the accountant is so different how do you go from the accountant back to sports movies well, the account was kind of interesting too. He was sort of trying that take at playing an autistic character. No, yeah, but, no, like, not, that, like that was a good movie. But I'm saying, yeah. yeah it's been, so, but yeah. I don't know. I, I like, I don't know. For some reason, I have a soft spot for actors who play alcoholics in movies because I think it's a hard thing to pull off successfully in a movie. Like when you think about the best performances of characters or actors playing alcoholics, like they don't necessarily have to have been one before. But I think Ben Affleck having had that issue before might help in this performance. No, they could have had parents too that they're right, exactly. Up, but, but when I, I don't know, there's a few that always come to mind when I think of like good alcoholic performances in movies and what <laughs> this is a weird one <laughs> well no i just honestly it usually gets you some kind of recognition so like the one that always sticks out for most people is like nicholas cage back in the before he became an action star in the 90s he did a movie called leaving las vegas yeah of course where he played an alcoholic in that one he was really good in that movie another one i, I like soft spot of mind uh for uh uh the, the funny thing is in this one the alcohol only really plays a part in half of the movie and then he sort of turns a corner but uh the man on fire you know with yep. denzel washington yep. life he plays an alcoholic in that one and then this one now, like when I saw the trailer, I just thought like they're really leaning in on the, the alcoholism thing. Like, you know, they show him like drinking and driving, drinking in the shower, just like, you know, getting carried home from the bar and like falling down the steps and stuff. I don't know. I just something like that. Just And you love the Simpsons and Homer. <laughs> A cartoon <laughs> version of alcoholism. Okay. Yeah. But, so, but I, I honestly, though, it, doesn't look like, it also looks like if you, even if you're not into the alcohol aspect of it, it just looks like a good, like traditional sort of sports movie, like with a, a good Money theme Ball of redemption and, and Space like, Jam. Moneyball, yes. <laughs> Excuse you. Oh, <laughs> uh, the one for April. Obviously, I'm looking forward to is the new Bond film. Oh yeah, which we're gonna talk about later. That's the theme. I'm gonna tease you. And now Why? We're talking about Bond films. Okay. Not all the Bond films, just some of them. Okay. Okay. That comes out April 10th, and we'll get into that later. And the other one uh, that actually a trailer came up for this a couple weeks ago that was really interesting. Um, there's May 15th. There's a new soft film coming out. But it's I'm just not... thinking of B movies and Saw films. So. Well, see, the funny thing is, I wouldn't call the first few Saw no, films. No, no, no. I, I, like they after four, got, yeah, like they five, got, six, seven. Yeah, they kind of got a little bit up there. You know what? But, <laughs> um, but this, so this one, the trailer came out for a couple weeks ago. Like I said, it's got, uh, so interestingly enough, it's got like Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are in it. What? But it's not a traditional Saw film as you would think of it as. Like the weird well, thing, then it's, not Saw. it's not even tra- like if you see the trailer. Jigsaw there. I don't think well, so. Well, then it's not Saw. The trailer doesn't give away a lot. But the movie is called Spiral. 
Well, then it's not Saw. It's called Spiral Subtitle from the Book of Saw. So it's like... No. What? I, think I would think it, it's the Book of Saul. <laughs> I think it's just trying... I, think, I don't know. The trailer, I think, is trying to imply that it's not Jigsaw. It's like a copycat killer or something. Okay. So the trailer still has some of those takes of like there's some kind of torture stuff going on, like some dip. But I don't know, like the fact like Chris Rock's producing it. And apparently, he's really into those movies and he wants to do his own kind of take on it. Uh-huh. So I feel like they're treating this more like kind of like a traditional serial killer type movie. So it's not going to be all about. No, like, the best part about Saw is a twist. Yeah, but you you expect a twist going into all. I'm sure this one will I didn't twist. Want to watch Saw the first time. I, the best part of the trailer though, and probably the only reason why they got Samuel Jackson in this movie. And you know why? There's a line in the trailer. Where he says, you know, I think Samuel Jackson's playing a cop in the movie. Him and Chris Rock are both cops. Get, they get pulled into this mur- murder mystery type serial killer thing here. And at one point, Samuel Jackson's movie, you know, he, I think you see the jigsaw doll. You know, the. Oh, okay. And Samuel Jackson says something like, You want to play games, mother? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> like, he has to drop the F bomb yeah. in the trailer, right? So, um, but no, it actually looks like it's shot that really well, like too. It's a comedy. I don't know. There's something about the way the, the trailer does. It didn't give a lot of way, enough to make you intrigued. Um, okay. So I don't know. Like I said, it's on my radar because I'm very curious to see what early impressions and reviews are. I think Saw has been gone long enough for people to have let it simmer down, and we can watch another one of them. Yeah, I would agree. You know, we'll segue into the Bond stuff now, so we can get that out of the way. I know okay. you're, you're cringing Falling already, asleep. and then we'll. I have some more stuff we can talk about, like video game related. But so my sort of main theme I want to talk about the Bond stuff here. Well, obviously with the new one coming out in April, it's called No Time to Die. I wanted to go back and look at Craig's other Bond films. Mm-hmm. So, because I think you've seen most of them. No, I've seen two of them. Casino Royale and Skyfall? Skyfall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, fine. You've seen half of them then. There yes, I have. <laughs> so, I think everybody pretty much agrees Casino Royale is the best one. Yes, by far. For many reasons. Like, A, it was Daniel Craig's debut. He killed it in the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it had the best plot mm-hmm. of all the, the four of all of his films that he's done so far. Best villain, I would say, so far. Yes. Well, they misused like the, the the better actors that, that they had, too. Right. And we'll get to that in a sec. I kind of wrote that down here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just overall, like, I think Casino Royale is the most rewatchable. Yes. Ironically enough, it's, I think it's the one of his films that has the least action in it. There's not that many big action really? set pieces. I guess not, yeah. It's more about building up Bond's character and obviously yeah. his relationship with Vesper and stuff. So I was actually reading another thread on, on Reset the other day, and they were talking about the, the Bond films, and Craig specifically. And they were saying that, and I would agree with this, and there's that scene in Casino Royale, the first time he meets Vesper on the train. Do you remember that scene? Yes. And like the dialogue, the dialogue is so well written in that scene, but also just with the perf- the two of them playing off each other. They have such good chemistry in that yeah. movie. Better than any of the chemistry I've had in the Bond girl since mm-hmm. then. I think they had the best. But I think someone was saying that's probably like the best definitive, like if you're saying like a non-action, like the best definitive Bond scenes, that little four or five minute sequence between the two of them because it reveals a lot about their characters without getting too like o- like overt about it. It kind of plays into Bond's background of being an orphan and how he interacts with women. Mm-hmm. And, but again, just like building up that relationship with her, that chemistry in that short segment. I don't know, it's a really good scene. And um, again, I think the villain was really good, although maybe a little underused. Yeah. But, you know. The, the, the focus was really on the relationship. Yeah. This whole movie. Because again, it and you didn't expect it, I guess, at the time you see the movie, but if you go back and watch the Craig films, now you realize how much of the foundation is set up in that one because... Again, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Cinderella Royale already. Like Vesper dies at the end of that one. She kind of sacrifices herself. She drowns to, to save Bond. And uh, so he, from that point on, he's sort of like... He was very smitten by her. Yeah, exactly. He was in love with her. So he kind of like puts up that shield now where yeah. he's like, I'm not going to fall in love with women anymore. I'm only going to treat them as disposable. Yeah, you objects. Know, like, exactly, right? 
and uh, but you know during all the other bod films there's always sorry the, the other craig films i should say there's always some kind of throwback to her some yeah. reference to her in the other films um especially in spectre more so than i expected there to be but um yeah, considering it's like three films later <laughs> yeah yeah so again my ranking uh just to get out of the way my ranking i think of the craig films would be casino royale skyfall mm-hmm. quantum of solace uh, and spectre okay and really? th- those bottom two could flip flop for some people. Spectre yeah. is such a lot down, and I'll get to that. But mm. uh, going over here, so yeah, Casino Royale definitely the best. By far. Well, yeah. how's your waifu? Best Bond girl. <laughs> oh, it's it's hard. You know, I do like the Bond girls in Goldeneye though. Mm. So I have soft spot for that. I have soft spot for that movie in general, because that was my well, childhood. Well, that's like everybody's like, favorite. Not even, not even anything new with the video game. Just I watched that movie so many times when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and those Bond girl, those Bond girls were pretty great too in Goldeneye, both the the villain and the the good female Bond girl. Yeah, they were good. But um, okay, so getting to Skyfall for a second here. So Skyfall, um, Skyfall was actually was directed by Sam Mendes, who did 1917 recently. Oh right, right, right. So he's a really good director, and I think he so he did Skyfall and Spectre. Now we'll get to, oh. again, we'll get to Spectre in a second. But Skyfall was really good. Um, probably like if you're gonna say like it's in my top ten Bond films of all time, Skyfall. Okay. Not probably top five necessarily, but top ten for sure. Yeah, really good film. Um, again, I was really excited when I heard about the villain for that one. Yeah. Javier Bardem. Because for anyone who's a no, no country for old men villain, he's done a lot of other stuff too. That's what most people probably know him from. I was really excited when he got cast the villain, and he does do a really good job in the movie. But I was kind of—I'm always disappointed in a Bond film when Bond doesn't have because like, some Bond films, like obviously he's up against people twice his age, yeah. or not twice his age necessarily, but like an older adversary. You know, he's not going to actually fight them if it's like. He has no chance. But with Javier Bardem, I thought, okay, maybe they could actually have like a physical scrap, especially because yeah. they're both agents. Yeah. Like the fact that, Bar- that Bardem's character, is, I think his name was Sylvia, he was a prior, like a double O agent. And when I always think back to my favorite villain was from GoldenEye as well, like the 006, because they have this awesome fight, like an actual fist fight in yeah. that movie. I think, okay, it's cool to see like Bond actually have a physical fight with another villain, right? But it doesn't happen too often. So in this one, he doesn't have that with Javier Bardem, which is a little disappointing, but mm-hmm. still think the role, the performance was great. Probably my best um, moment or, or uh, scene in that film is uh, towards the end when he's sort of defending his mansion. That's what I was going to say too. And uh, not even not even the defending the mansion part because that has some some, like, some Home Alone vibes. Yeah, setting up all the traps. It's more like when the helicopter shows up and just starts blasting the place. I remember seeing that scene. That scene will always stick with me. Seeing it in theater, something about the audio design of that scene. It was so loud with the chopper going by and the miniguns and everything. And then when the house blows up, finally, it's a great scene. And of course shouldn't be no surprise that film was shot beautifully by roger deakins oh i've heard so much about roger deakins well recently. you should because he's one of the best cinematographers <laughs> out there yeah, he shot that film amazingly um because you said like the lighting and the fire and stuff in that scene was great but uh another interesting thing about skyfall if you think about it it didn't really have a traditional bond girl no there was a there was like the there two was, of them wasn't there Is that well the two bond what do you mean no no so bond he, he meets a girl before he meets the villain he meets this girl like casino and he sort yeah. of uses her to get to the villain. And then she gets killed off, like, right away. Oh, okay. She's in the film for, like, 10 minutes, that. maybe. But the funny thing, I read an article about this, like, years ago when the movie came out. Someone said, the real Bond girl in that film is M. Yeah. Because, again, it's sort of wrapping up. Like, for those who don't know, again, like, M dies at the end of that film. Yeah. And so that's Judy Dench's last performance in the, in, as that role. And uh, But it really does, that movie focuses a lot on the, the relationship between between Bond and M. Yeah. Um, which like Judy Dench has done that role all the way back to the first Brosnan film, yeah, The Golden Eye. Kind of bringing it full circle. Yeah, yeah. So it was cool to to have the relationship uh, f- expanded for them in that film, and nice send off for them at the end too. And then of course, and then in uh, in well, they, did they allude to it in Skyfall? 
Yeah, sorry. At the end of Skyfall, I think they do appoint the new M, and at yeah. this at this time, this it's 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 Ray Fiennes, like Voldemort, <laughs> is the oh new M. Oh my gosh! So, because like there was tr- back to, going back to the Sean Connery films, M was always a male. Yeah. They didn't change. Oh, they didn't change. They didn't change to a woman until the Pierce Brosnan films came out. Oh, that I was didn't know that. So Judy Dench was the only female M ever. Okay. And they go back to male M now. So, but yeah, Skyfall is still a great film. Um, going to Quantum of Solace then Quantum of Solace I remember when it first came out because obviously that was the second one of Craig's right after uh, so following up Casino Royale was hard to do because that was such yeah, a great film sure. Quantum of Solace at the time was a huge disappointment although ironically people going back and watching it now say it's not as bad as you remember it's just because you're always comparing it because it, it does pick up exactly where Casino Royale left off like literally the ending if you watch them back to back it's like direct continuation right and again obviously like I said there's more there's a lot of tie-ins of Vesper and the, the guilt yes. bond feels over that and stuff my biggest problem with Quantum of Solace was the villain was terrible, like unmemorable. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, he was. It's not that he's a good actor. It's just that he had nothing to work with, and it was. I think it was terribly, ri- terribly written part Who for him. Who directed this one? Mark Forster. So was he it did. New? Like he's a good director Bond? too. I think he's new to Bond. Okay. Yeah. Um, see, whereas that's, a, that's another reason probably why Casino Royale is one of my favorites because it was directed by the same guy who directed Goldeneye. <laughs> oh, was it really? So like, it's not. And people say, "No, he's the Bond master. He's, he's the Bond guy." Yeah, but then. He's also had some duds in his career, like he did Green Lantern, like the Ryan Reynolds one. Oh, well, I don't know if that's 100% his. <laughs> no, it's not. Either. But I'm just saying, like, when he sticks to the Bond stuff, I think he's good. Why doesn't he stay with the Bond stuff? I don't know. Okay. But, uh, anyways, Bad Quantum of Solace. Um, I wrote down here, I think the only, probably the only good part in the film, honestly, that I, if I was going to rewatch it again, the, the end, like, the end fight, the last 10 minutes sequence is, is pretty good. It's pretty well shot. There's a huge shootout and uh, confrontation out in the desert in this bu- building, and there's a lot of explosions and. I think the problem, like the problem a lot of people had with that film was it was shot, it was edited really rapidly, almost like a Bourne film. Not necessarily with the the, the shaky cam, but if you watch Casino Royale and watch Quantum of Solace back to back, you definitely notice Quantum of Solace was edited in a much faster way, so that's hard to tell what's going on. Mm. And I think that was intentional, obviously, but it it works in the end sequence. The end sequence is so frenetic because all the explosions going off, and there's actually like two fights going on at once. They keep cutting between Bond fighting the villain and. Uh, the, the the Bond girl that he meets up in that film she has her own kind of vendetta she fights someone else that's a really good sequence um, and it ends kind of it ends pretty strong too because it sort of like shows Bond letting go supposedly letting go of Vesper like he kind of like drops her necklace in the snow and says to him like I'm, you know I'm, you can always count on me like he's moving on he's right. finally passed all this right lies well because they, they don't really reference her at all in Skyfall I don't no, think, I don't think they but do. she does come back into play in Spectre right. so they're getting to Spectre here so again Least favorite came after Skyfall, so it's the fourth film that Craig did, and there's a lot of I, for me at least there's a lot of hype for this one because uh, we're coming off of Skyfall, coming off good Skyfall, good dire- same director, and the villain was Christoph Waltz, yes, who I love I from. Remember that, yes. But now I'm starting to think Christoph Waltz is really only good when he works with Tarantino. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not not he's not a good actor, but you get the well, most. Well, he was a German actor before this, right? Oh yeah, no, like he did. He, he didn't actually like break into Hollywood until he was in his fifties, right? Like Tarantino saw something in him, which was awesome, and so *Inglorious Bastards* and then *Django*, mm-hmm. and like he's done some other good roles too, and, and other, but but not this one. Yeah, well, he was again just like with the Quantum of Solace thing. He's a good actor. He's so misused in this role, and um, underutilized. Yes. Uh, I would say uh, my my main problems with Spectre, and there are many, <laughs> is. Um, yeah, the the villain, which is poorly mishandled. Um, he has no chemistry. With the Bond girl in this film, which is a shame because I really like the, the Bond girl. Daniel yeah. Craig doesn't have any chemistry. Daniel with Bond Craig, yes, okay, Daniel Craig sorry. doesn't have any chemistry with the Bond girl in this film, which 
But isn't she coming back in the next one? Exactly. So she's oh. in no time to die. So now I'm like, okay, so I really hope that they do better this time because <laughs> that didn't, didn't do anything nice. for me last time. It was really rushed, Inspector. The whole, like, obviously, anybody who's seen a Bond film before knows he just sweeps women off their feet like that. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy for him to, to bet a woman, but to have the chemistry with them, um, it just didn't work on this one for me. But definitely the best role in the fi- or not best role, best scene for me, Inspector, anyways, was uh, he has a, a fight on the train with um not not the main villain obviously but like sort of the, the villain's henchman i think his name was hinks with an x hinks <laughs> and he's played by dave bautista who's oh form, like former WWE wrestler uh he's also like he's in the guardians of the galaxy films mm, right most people might know him from um but yeah he has a really good fight with so craig has a good fight with him on the on a train it's like a probably a two or three minute fight scene where they just go like head to head and and obviously, that it's, doesn't sound believable. Well, it's kind of yeah, it's a size mismatch because Craig would just get dummied by yeah. this guy. But um, they they shot it in a way that made it a little more believable. Like the guy does just kind of throw Craig around like a rag doll. <laughs> and the interesting thing is too, the, the filmmaker said they had direct reference for that scene was going all the way back to probably one of the best fight scenes in the entire Bond saga is going all the way back to the second Connery film from Russia with Love. He fights the main villain on a train at the end of the film, and for for its time in the sixties, it's a really visceral fight scene. Like the two, because the two actors were actually going at it. There's no stuntmen. Like the way right. it was shot, it's just two guys actually just like beating the crap out of each other. I remember that scene. Yeah, I think you showed it to me like five billion times. Well, it's a good scene. <laughs> so you know, they, they, it's funny now looking at my list too, thinking about something about Bond films and trains. Yeah. Because I've already said like, so from Russia with Love had the train scene, Spectre had the train scene, Casino Royale had the train scene between Bond and Vesper. Right. So Bond films are good on trains. There you go. Um, but. Uh, yeah, overall, Spectre was just a mess. It was it was too long. Like, I don't usually mind length of the film. I think Spectre was like two and a half hours. It just felt long. And you can tell Craig was not, I don't want to say phoning it in, but he really wasn't well, liking f- that I, performance. That's what I feel like the yeah. outside uh, part of this is that Craig just doesn't want to be Bond anymore as the film series goes on. And they had to pay him a bunch of money for him to come back for the next one, No yeah. Time to Die. And it just feels that his performance shows that he just does not want to do this anymore. Yeah. I think it's part... <sighs> there's two reasons for it, I think. And I mentioned this to you the other day. The Bond films for me are too far spaced out. I think... You need them to be, like, yearly? or like No, no, not yearly. Every two or three years. Like, four or five-year gaps between what films is, is too much. Spectre? So, here's, here's the interesting thing. I wrote this down in my notes here. Because I saw this. So, so with the new film coming out, No Time to Die, coming out April 10th, it'll be, it's the 25th Bond film in the entire series, going all the way back to the 60s, right? right? Now, so this will be Craig's fifth film. He, yes, he's not going to be the most like the, no. the 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 longest running Bond in terms of films will always be Roger Moore. Roger he did Moore. seven of them. Right. No one's ever going to do seven unless you grab a guy who's like twenty eight yeah, and start exactly. doing them that way. Well, the, but the years are doing <laughs> them now. Exactly, yes. but but Craig, even though it's only his fifth film, he is now the longest tenured in terms of time. Oh really? Because okay. his first one was in 05. Yes. So so Craig's been Bond doing it for fifteen, for 15 years. years, even though it's only been five films during right. that period. So. Because uh, for comparison, like Roger Moore did seven films over thirteen years, right? <laughs> they're they're ch- or churning them out back so, then. And actually, Connery did John Connery did five movies in six years. <laughs> but so it, so by that calculation, that there it has been a Bond film over three years, so you should be just fine. Um, fifteen years and five films that should be over three years. So not too spaced out. <laughs> Are you having a? Are you having issues? I'm, I'm thinking right now. <laughs> I, I think, okay, I guess you're right. Why do you think they're more spaced out than that? 
I guess I it, think you just feel like you just yearn for it so badly that you just feel it's forever. But really, it's so not. I think it was. Oh, I know it says the article I read said. Well, I think they were saying like Bond. He filmed Casino Royale in 05, Came out in 06. So I think it, I think it went 06, 09, 2012, 2016, 2020. So the last couple have been four years apart. Skyfall was 2012. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm surprised. Yeah, Spectre okay. was 2016. Now this wow. one, I think this one was supposed to come out last year, but then they pushed so. it. Well, so. they had the, all that time fighting with Craig to come back, right? So that so. definitely pushed it. But anyways, um, a couple other things that I think are interesting about about No Time to Die. Um, the, uh, the the score, the the main com- uh, composer in this one is Hans Zimmer. Oh. Which well, I think I think it's not going to be your traditional Hans Zimmer. He's, they're they're probably going to tell him to do something. Not. They're going to tell him to toe the line. They're going to stay within sort of that Bond range. I mean, but I'm interested to see what Zimmer does. Something. Why would they go with him? He's they don't. They need had they him. had a different composer, and that guy dropped out for some reason. Oh, so I think it was creative differences. I'm pretty maybe, sure. Yeah, but so I think Hans is kind of a fill. So I don't think Hans is going to have his own little staple on it. Right. Like it's not going to it's not going to sound like Pirates or Inception or anything mm. like that. But I'm interested to see if he. I don't think I don't think Hans Zimmer's ever done a bad score. Oh in no, film. for sure. It's but just, it's not going to be like his. He's not going to have one of those memorable mm, songs. Probably not. But we'll see. What do you think? I showed you. Uh, not showed you. I should say you listened to the new Bond song the other day, the main theme by Billie Eilish. What do you I think of it? I didn't hate it. I, it's grown on me. Yeah. yeah. First time I listened to it, I thought, okay, they're going with a sort of like that mournful, well, like. Yeah, I thought it was all about Vesper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but if they tied in again, it wouldn't shock me. Um, <laughs> But no, I didn't like it. Was it was a good song? Like yeah, one like of my one of my one of the like better. Like if, if I close my eyes and just do it, I could see it playing over the credits. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds sure. like a Bond song to me. The other thing, the interesting thing I thought about this one was I think this is the first time ever that they've cast they've cast a, a villain for Bond that's younger than Bond. Oh. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, I'm assuming the character is supposed to be playing a younger. Like in this case, the because Craig is 51 in real life, and the actor playing the villain is 38. Is Christoph Waltz back in this one as like a cameo? He is, yeah, okay. yeah. So he's just he's like he's in prison. I think he tells something about Bond about what probably gives him some information about the new villain. Right. Like, watch out for this guy. He's got a pass with your little Bond lady friend over there, and <laughs> so I don't know. But I I am interested. Like like again, the villain is a good actor. Okay. They always well, get good that's actors. What I was going to say they're like, all good. They always do. They gotta so use he, them good. Yeah, but this one, so it's it's Rami Malek, and he was uh, most recently he played Freddie Mercury in the Bohemian Rhapsody oh, film. Okay. But he's also, like, he does that. I've never seen it, but there's that show on TV called Mr. Robot. I've heard it's really good. I've never heard of that. No? He's in that. He was, he was in, uh, you'd know this, he was in Until Dawn. <laughs> he's one of the guys that gets killed in that oh, video game. Okay. Which, but, okay. There's yeah. lots of dudes in that video game. He was in the Need for Speed film. I know that one much better because yeah. Lucas loves that film. I know. That's a good film. <laughs> um, uh, who's directing this one, though? Like, is it somebody I know? No. Uh, it's, I'm probably going to mispronounce it. Kerry Joji Fukunaga, I think. Um, he is the most thing, thing he's most known for or at least what i know him and appreciate him for is he did season one of true detective oh that's the best season yes it was really well shot so everybody's and that's like a good like i like that kind of mood mm-hmm. for a bond film mm-hmm. if you can keep yeah. that that'd be great i'm getting that vibe from the trailers i'm hoping that i know he didn't he's usually a writer too he didn't write this one i'm hoping he have some um, input at least i would think but yeah the fact that he's the i feel like when well, it's, not, it's not MGM anymore. I'm trying to think of the studio that owns Bond. I think it's like Lions. Eon or something. No, not Lionsgate. <laughs> but whoever owns the Bond uh, franchise now, they usually have a lot of input on. They, they tell the directors we want it a certain way, right? Um, which is why I think Quantum of Solace and Spectre were kind of disasters. I feel like there's a lot of studio input on those ones. Okay. This one, though, I feel like they're kind of stepping back and saying, like, okay, we trust your your vision here. 
and you kind of go with what you want, and we'll just give you the budget for it. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, like most monotones, I'm sure it's probably over like two hundred million dollars. And this is for sure Craig's last one. He so he says, and I don't blame. Him. I mean, because if, if again, if we're saying they're gonna do one of these films every three or four years, he's not gonna do another one when he's fifty-five. I think no. he, I think he wants to move on to other roles, and uh, they need to figure out what they're doing with the direction of Bond going they forward. Make the girl with the dragon tattoo, the second one. I wish they would, but the problem is that director's really busy too. And oh, they, is I, he? like, he, but he he's the, also that one who did that show on Netflix. I like we're talking about David Fincher, by the way. He did that show on Netflix called Manhunter. Now, I didn't watch the second season. season just came out last year, which was really good. The first season was still better, I think. The yeah. second season was really good. Okay. And they were going to do a third season, but now that's been put on hold indefinitely no. because that, that director is so busy. Oh, man. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to happen either. Well, I'm not going to watch the second one if I'm not going to get the payoff. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Okay. But, um... So, what is your... Your goal is to watch hmm. a Bond film a week? Yeah, so again, that was another thing I saw on Reset, or they were saying, uh, leading up to the new Bond film coming April 10th, they said, starting, if you start this week... As in this week? Well, like I, th- I think th- I think they said from February 17th to the 24th, so I'm still within that okay. week period, but... So at some point this week, maybe on the weekend, I'm going to watch Casino Royale, and then again, I'll watch Quantum of Solace and Skyfall and Spectre, and I'll probably have to rent Spectres, I don't know it. Well, there's a good reason for that. Yeah, it's not really worth it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll appreciate it more on a thir- third or fourth watch. I've, I've watched Spectre at least two or three times already and I haven't really still cared for it. <laughs> well, you're older now. You're much wiser. <laughs> yeah, I'm older now. <laughs> um, maybe my, maybe my, my issue I have going back with Spectre is I remember the first time I saw it in theaters, I had a horrible theater experience. Oh, I was, no. I, was, I saw it with a couple of my friends and uh, we're, we were it was busy theater, uh, but there was an older couple sitting, not directly behind me, but in the row behind me, maybe a few seats to my left. And this lady... She's one of those ones during a movie who was like constantly talking to her husband, okay. and I don't even—I don't even—I don't mean talking like having a conversation about. Uh, they were talking about the movie, but she'd be like, like there'd be a scene where it'd be like a guy in shadow, and the whole movie, like the theater styling, there's no music playing, there's yeah. just like guy in shadow, and you could clearly hear her saying to her husband, "Who's that? Who do you think that is? Who's that guy? Oh my gosh, I think I know." And I'm like, "Oh my, this lady is killing me right now." The whole movie, she did that. Even during the action scenes, I could hear did her. Nobody say anything. I, I think we told her a couple of times. We turned around and said, "Hey, like, come on!" Like we didn't tell her to shut up, but we were just like, "Lady." Like, like, seriously, it drove me nuts. So I think I had to see it a second time in theaters to get like a separate experience. <laughs> they put her in the theater, so you had to come back and spend more money on it. Yeah, that's the theory, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll get off the Bond tangent for now. The Bond train, because they <laughs> love trains. Yay, good segue. <laughs> I, I like it. that. That's good. I did it. Um, I do have a couple of video game things we can talk about here. A couple of things, just quick stories, and a couple of things I also want to get your opinion on. Like, I kind of thought about these topics on my own. Oh, when I was just, yeah. brain. Original thoughts. <laughs> but first off, um, we'll start with some, I saw this on Twitter today. Um, you've probably already seen this too, but uh, um, PlayStation is uh, not attending PAX East in Boston this year due to the coronavirus yeah. worries. Disappointing. Um, and when I first read that article, I thought, like what is there a coronavirus outbreak in Boston? And they're like, no, I think there's more worried about the people traveling from Japan or China or anywhere pretty much overseas are coming to Boston for the PAX East. Uh, so I understand, I guess, why Sony's taking that stance. It's a little disappointing. I oh, hope yeah. I hope they'll still be able to do some kind of online, if not like a state of play thing, like one of those. Yeah, but they are not like as quality as Nintendo directs. And I heard that uh, there was supposed to be like a Last of Us two demo there. Now obviously that's not going to be there, and people were a little sad about that because we haven't seen like anything since i don't know a couple months three months maybe about that game yeah and that comes out in may but yeah i don't know like it's uh, they also said there's concerns about gdc if they're gonna go also soon so 
on a different I'm going off on a quick t- tangent here but um thinking about the coronavirus stuff is really the impact it's having on a lot of different media is interesting like I was reading today about the in April the new is April or March actually I think it might be March and in March is when the new Mulan film is coming out the live action Mulan film in theaters and they're worried it's going to take a huge hit box office wise in People China to go out like in China specifically, because yeah. it was, was going to be a big market for them, because it's obviously a, it's a Chinese, Chinese film, yeah. and a lot of Chinese actors are in it. But they're worried it's really going to bomb over there because of the coronavirus stuff. So that's a shame. Well, just like even all they, the they, technology. They, in my opinion, I think they should. If they can't, I don't know if they can't do it. But I think they probably should push should the movie push release. Yeah. They should push it the summer or something, yeah. just to. But we'll see what happens with that. Um, I don't know. It's like a lot of other stuff is affected too, like the new Animal Crossing Switch, the pastel one is supposed to come out at the end of the month, and it's delayed in Japan because they can't make enough, like stuff like, like that is. All industries are being hurt by this stuff right now. So yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing I have here, and I'm gonna have to refer to my notes for a second here. This is kind of a long thing here. So Xbox Series X is um, apparently it's going to feature something called. I wrote this down, so I'm probably getting the title right. <laughs> Dedicated audio hardware acceleration. Do you know what that means? Um, I've seen that button before, and I don't know <laughs> if I should press it or not. So apparently it says, so it's sort of like taking verbatim these words. It says hardware acceleration essentially means that there's a chip within the console that's meant specifically for audio. Okay. Um, like, for like for example, Sony is using ray tracing for their 3D audio. Yes. Uh, which is apparently pretty tax- taxing on the system. So, it, so Xbox has gone the other way and installed a separate audio chip instead of... Oh, so taking they, that they, taxing they part claim off claim it's of more the efficient. Um so yeah, and apparently this is so. This is Microsoft alluding that while they're not committing to 3D audio specifically, they're allowing the console to support it. Yeah, and a lot of people are really again. I don't know a lot about the technology behind that. But people are really excited about that news because they say like, when it comes to new consoles and new systems of any kind, everybody's always pushing more graphics. That's always the big thing, right? There's but, so much you can do though. Like, where where do you go next after? Exactly, that? but someone's like, it's nice to see them actually focusing on the audio because audio can be just as important a part of the experience for me as as the visual component. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can really, whether you're using headphones, whether you have a surround sound system, if you can incorporate better audio into those next-gen games, I think that's a really cool feature. And Yeah, no, I have no problem. Like, music is a huge part of games, for sure. Like, especially mm-hmm. ones I play, too. It's like, man, if you hear a track and you hear it in its best form, it can be yeah. a game changer. Yeah, you're thinking of it from a music aspect. I'm thinking of it just from even well, a, like a sound effect. Like, footsteps and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like action games. games and stealth games, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, like I said, that every little bit of trickle of information comes out about the Xbox Series X makes it sound cooler and cooler. You know, like I know, but it's not going to sell. <laughs> the PS Five is going to demolish it, and I feel yeah. so bad because Xbox has made such great strides. Well, Xbox, they'll still obviously push the Game Pass stuff, which is always which is great. Big they draw. should. Yeah, it's like one of the biggest features they have going for it. They just need to have some some better exclusives, or well, that's their problem. Or their existing series, like I'm sure Halo Infinite's going to crush it for them. But it's like, going to be on PC also. Yeah. So that's, but that's what's but that, be that, that's the whole crossplay thing will come in right with the PC. Well, yeah, like, but it'll be on PC, so you yeah. have to buy an Xbox One X, right. Series X, whatever. <laughs> oh. Um, so the other two things I have here, video game related. Um, I kind of this, I saw discussions about these on the forums, not specifically in the like people were talking about these franchises or these companies, and I was just thinking to myself like what some questions we could discuss about the future of these properties so first one for me was um the tomb raider series more specifically the last three tomb raider games that came out on the they, current gen okay. systems so yeah. going back to the 2013 that they just called it tomb raider it was essentially a reboot of the, yeah. of the franchise with a different like Lara croft sort of a vision of her character right mm-hmm. um pretty yeah it should be 
and then there was Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then mm-hmm. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Right. Now, I, from what I can tell, at least, I think like, they were all pretty well-received critically. Shadow of the Tomb Raider was not so not much. Not so much. But... but I think the films kind of progressively got worse as they went along. The films or the games? No, no, the, what did I say? Did I say films. Right. Yep. The games progressively kind of, I think got worse as they went along, and I I just don't know if it's like a lot of people said it just it felt a little too much. Well, for me the main problem with them was I thought the gameplay was really good, like the action was good, and I like what they did with the Lara character. But I thought the the stories were all garbage. Again, I can't really comment on Shadow because I haven't played it too much. But from what I've heard, stories are just too convoluted, too serious. Like it's like they're trying to do the female uncharted thing. Exactly what they were trying to do. But Lara's character is not interesting. To pull well, that I off. think they could have made her more interesting. They could have. So, that, so here's my question to you: Was say, let's say for for next gen, if you're gonna, if Square Enix or Crystal, Crystal Dynamics or whatever are going to do another Tomb Raider, right now they have no time. But how do you fix Tomb Raider? I don't know. Like I would. What would make it appealing to you? I I just want more tombs. <laughs> I want like I don't want the Uncharted controls, but I know it's going to be like that. So whatever. For me, I think. But they... I want st- I want an amazing story, and I want so much like. Uh, mythos is what I want. I think they need to go over the top with the story and the and the action. I think I don't want to have this serious, grounded, uncharted type stories anymore. I'm tired. I was tired of all those games I've heard is like uncovering some ancient mythological. No, I need that, but more. Like turn up to hundred. Yeah, but I don't know. I just didn't think they did a good job. She's of a Tomb Raider. <laughs> I know it's in the title. I'm not. I don't know. I just I feel like some of the. PS1 and PS2 Tomb Raider games were a little got a little over the top and I kind of want that sort of style back. I think she should time travel. Sure. So I see I'm, I'm up for that. Yeah, That's, time yeah. travel and like do old people tombs. It's kind of like an Assassin's Creed. We're going like back okay. to different okay. um, eras. Yeah, that, that, that might sell me. So, oh man, I just sold myself on Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like they I'm hoping that they kind of wrapped up that arc that old trilogy they had on the, on the last the current gen. I don't know either, but I think it did end kind of definitively someone had said. Um, I, th- I know there was DLC afterwards, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe another studio needs to take a crack at it. I don't know, maybe. Like it was such a visions. good realization. Like people were so excited because it was new Lara and she mm-hmm. looks great, but it was definitely Girl Uncharted, and they need to break that mold. The other topic I was thinking of was um, again, if you think about prominent video game companies over the last decade or two, Rockstar probably comes to mind. For sure. I mean, <laughs> you know the. GTA series, I Red Dead like games. Like 150, ver- mil- 150 million copies of GTA Five. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, it just prints money at this it point. It literally is still in the top ten every week. <laughs> now you you got to figure they got something in plan, obviously for for next gen. Not necessarily coming out. I, I doubt it's gonna be anything this year. Maybe even twenty twenty one. Who knows? But what do you think is next for Rockstar? What do they got in the pipe? Do you think? For, or what do you oh. want them? What do you want to see from them? From I, I literally, I literally think they are working on nothing except for GTA Five online. Do you think and Red D- Dead Two online? You think they're still working on Red Dead Two stuff? They are. They're putting out patches. Like they are putting out well, jobs. Patch, you can, patches. No, yeah, like jobs. That's not new do content. In the world. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear about it all the time. Well, we hear it on the bo- the Beast Cast. Like I don't see. I don't think you'll be seeing Red Dead Three anytime soon. Probably not for Gosh, another decade no. or so. But I wouldn't even say you see GTA Six anytime soon. And I don't want to see a GTA necessarily. I want to see them do something different. I want like, like Manhunter. Was that Man Eater? Manhunter? No, you think of Manhunt, so you're yeah. thinking of yeah. Exactly. And Bully. I want Bully too. Where's Bully? Everybody too? wants Bully too. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna happen at this point. Um Ellie Noir too. Yeah. Ellie like, <laughs> Noir was an interesting experiment for them because it had more to do with their technology at the time. That's true. Um, that came out when how far into the oh PS3 cycle did goodness. that come out? Did that come out in twenty ten? I think so. I was gonna say that. So what, four years into the PS3 cycle maybe? Yeah. 
yeah. PS3 cycle. Life cycle, yeah. I don't know. Like Rockstar, I feel like they have obviously enough manpower, enough money at their disposal to do whatever they want. I like to see them try something a new take on something, something original. Do you want yeah. it to be like uh, just a story based, like linear thing, or do you want another open world? Oh, like they live in open world. I'm now. trying to think. They also they did they did the Max they did Max Payne three, right? I don't think they did Max. No, they did one and two. No, you sure? Yes. I okay. I'll take your word for it. I know they did three. I'm Googling at this current Go ahead, point. Google it right now, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep talking. I'll yeah. stall. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not just saying I want to see another Max Payne, but something like they're at their best when they do those. Their shooting is not very good, though. No, exactly. Like, their shooting mechanics usually aren't great, like at least from the Red Dead and GTA. But the Red Dead and GTA games are open world, whereas Max Payne 3 was very contained, whereas I felt that's why I felt the shooting was good in that one. Um, they, they invented the... Okay, whoever put Max Payne up first invented the slowdown time, right? That was the thing that came from Max Payne? Yes, I believe so. But I don't think it was Rockstar did one and two. Maybe I'm trying to Google fast. Let me see. What do you got on there? I need to go to Wikipedia. <laughs> I look it up. Max Payne 1? What does it say? No, it was Remedy. See, Remedy. They oh, did, my. Yeah. It was Remedy? Yeah, that's what I thought. Whoa. For those who don't know, Remedy, they... What? Well, after they got away from the Max Payne games, and most recently they did, like, they did Alan Wake and... Uh, Quantum Break and Control. Control yes. was their biggest hit recently, but yeah, I remember I Rockstar wasn't. Rockstar was the third one they did. Okay, mm-hmm. but still, I want them definitely to do like a Bully Two is what I really want from them. I think Bully Two would play in today's climate <laughs> as well as it did back in the PS2 days. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do. You want to see Bully in a college setting, or you want high school see again? Girl Bully. <laughs> girl. <laughs> I don't think I don't do know that. they would never do that. That sounds like a political <laughs> or a. It's uh, like my, Mean Girls. Just do Mean Girls. Social media, social media disaster. I know. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like again. Rockstar. No, they they have their niche. It prints money. It's like Fortnite. You you keep going with what makes money. You don't do anything else. How about a Rockstar Battle Royale? <laughs> I thought they were putting that into Red Dead. Is Are they? Wrong? I don't. Know. I don't think so. No. I don't know. They don't need to. Everything they do is money. They just keep putting new heists in GTA, and mm-hmm. it'll be fine. Um, well, that's all I got written down here in terms of scripted content. Is there anything else off the top of your head you want to discuss? Anything else comes to mind? Nothing crazy. Is there anything you... What, what, so we got about what, a little over a week left in the month of February. Is there anything else you want to have accomplished by the end of February? Um. Well, I just want to have um, my current game finished before... You still told me what your current game was. No, you're I didn't. You're not going to say it to the audience here? Um, I'm playing... I beat Cyber Dimension of Tunia for Goddess Online. I platinumed it. Uh, so that was fun. How many hours do you think that took you to play? I recorded the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it was 35 hours. That's not bad. Is that on par for those kind of games? Yeah. Okay. Like, it was good, mindless fun. Yep. Uh, now I'm playing SteamWorld Heist. Ah, SteamWorld Heist. Okay. I don't know what prompted me to do that. But I looked at my whole list, and that's the only one that jumped out at me. So, yeah, I hope to have that done by the time Murder by Numbers comes out. What, first week of March? Seven, that yeah, is? Yes. So, but if I finish it before then, I will debate on buying Rune Factory 4. Mm. So, <laughs> I, it depends how the previews go, because the previews have been pretty amazing for it so far. Other than that, I, I don't have any plans. Do you want to talk briefly about uh, your no, a- Apex Legends no. experience? It was awful. Nobody ever party with me on Apex unless you need like a, a decoy. De- a decoy, yeah. <laughs> she was. I was a meat shield. 
Um, yeah, for those that don't know, Sarah was kind enough to play Apex Legends with me last week uh, when the duos event was going on. Um, so I, I used my alt account. I started off at a level yeah, one character. Um, again, that wasn't the intention. I it was know, also know, so that the matchmaking would work in our favor. I know. Which it definitely did. I felt really dirty. <laughs> like, fighting against people who clearly had no idea. Like, they're just, just starring your blood. I had never played a VR before. I was just cleaning up in that mode. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to go back to my main account after that to have some sense of balance. <laughs> Although, I will say, uh, playing on my main account recently, like, the last few days, I've had a lot of success. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I hear woohoos instead of ra- angry. Racking up the, like, I think the season, as of today, the season has been out for 15 days now season four and i'm up to 15 wins now so i'm basically averaging a win a day Jeez, louise let's which, brag some more well <laughs> I, I will admit i to be honest i've earned most of the wins one win for sure a few days ago i got carried hard like i was playing with two pros i couldn't keep up with them and i was just like i think they both finished with like 10 kills and i had like two did you say can i please be your best friend like seriously i should have friend requested them they were they, they definitely carried me to that win but uh in terms of the ranked mode, I'm uh, I got just got up to gold one last night. Oh, so get into plat, so you don't have to lose to your gold. Yep. Oh, when does it flip over? Is that the middle of March? Well, they so they said 45 days in. So like I said we're only about middle 15 days in right now. So I got a month to go. That'd be kind of closer. To, yeah, about, about mid March, I guess. Um, so about 30 days off to go in this season. That's going to flip over to Kings Canyon, which will be a nice change. Um, will it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, the interesting thing is like I was talking about this with Andrew yesterday when him and I were playing Apex. Is um, like World's Edge, the current map is so big that there's lots of times uh, you'll see you'll, you'll see the kill feed up in the corner of your screen. You'll see all the people dying, and you don't hear any gunshots. So obviously, it's like on the other side of the map. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Kings Canyon, you can hear gunshots anywhere. Yeah, like the map is small enough that it's like if you're in. Well, you're not going to know the, like, for people that know the reference points, but let's just say you're in Bunker, which is like the middle of the map in Kings Canyon. It's not going to be fighting on the very edge of the map, and you'll still hear it. And you can <laughs> and you can honestly get over there probably within a minute if you just take the jump towers. And right. So it's it's really easy to get around in that map in third party. <laughs> um, so that'll make it, that'll be an interesting dynamic, I think, for... Because, again, like, obviously, Ranked has been a, around in Kings Canyon before in the previous seasons. Right. Not in Season 3, but back in Season no, 2 it was. Season 2, yeah. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting dynamic now because now you, you, it's your first time having ranked on Kings Canyon with the new legends, like Revenants oh, and Crypto and, Watson. and, and Watson. Oh, no, Watson was season three, so she wouldn't have been. Watson. No, Watson oh, season two. two. Sorry. Yeah, but for Bye. Crypto, Crypto and Revenant, it'll be a new for them, and uh, and again like new guns. See how they get around. Yeah, so that'll be pretty cool uh, to try out. Yep, definitely still loving that game. Although you can attest to this, I did reinstall MLB The Show 19 the other day. It's a miracle. Because I did pre-order MLB The Show 20. He's never going to play it. Coming out on March 3rd. Well, it's coming out on March 17th, but if you pre-order it early, which I did, you get four days earlier access. So March 13th, I'll be able to play it. He's going to play Apex and skip those four days anyways. <laughs> Only if there's an Apex event. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but if you think, if you consider, like, again, we're we're 15, an Apex, we're 15 days into this 90-day season. Mm-hmm. And There's no more holidays coming. And in terms of the battle pass, I'm already up to, I think... March 13th is, like, close to when it's going to flip over to Kings Canyon. About a week away or so. Yeah. Like, yeah pretty close. Okay. But so you'll play uh, a week of MLB and it'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be the Division 2 all over again. I pretty well, you know, much okay, you know what the nice thing will be about having the Apex Diversion this year? You're going to test this in the past years when I've been really into it will be the show it never works properly the first couple of days they always have a terrible launch like the servers are down that is a fact so at least now when the show 20 comes out i won't be like dying to play i it think right you're away. gonna have like a good first three days and then the day that it actually well, no, comes no, out no. it's gonna be a tire fire yeah the first day will be a tire fire like it always is i'm not gonna wear it so that day i'll just be playing apex but 
probably like that first weekend hopefully the servers get ironed out yeah no and then I i'll be playing but really like yeah you're right i'll play baseball for the few days i'll probably be pretty hard into it and then i'll drop off a bit to go back to apex especially okay. when the ranks switch over but then once the baseball season actually starts which i think is on march 26th like when the regular season starts then i'll probably get back into baseball itch again like mm -hmm. just today i was talking about maybe if i see you doing another mock draft i'm going to I've, I've, done, I've, done th I've done three already i think i'm good <laughs> uh i think i'm ready oh my goodness yeah. Sorry, like it's still more than a month away. No, if I, okay, yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah. March 26th. Yeah, okay, a little more than a month away. Spring training starts this weekend. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. I can't wait to listen to Buck and Pat again. Yeah. Baseball's back. No, Which, it's not yet. <laughs> pretty much. My Twitter feed is all about baseball right now. It's not me. Well, no. Why would it be? <laughs> well, Animal Crossing direct tomorrow. Everybody watch it. Is there a direct tomorrow? Yeah, there is yeah. tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, and. Six Wait. E PT. Uh -huh. You're not gonna be able to watch it. No, I won't be home. Well, good thing there's I YouTube might. for that. I was gonna YouTube in the car. <laughs> I have my dad had just rolled over. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good. Are you anything else you want to discuss? Or nope, just I'm gonna be Steam World Heist for next week. There we go. Yeah, my yeah. goal. And then I'll maybe I'll Rune Factory comes out the twenty. Maybe by the end of the month I can beat Uncharted two. No, <laughs> I'm only like I only got like eight two hours left. Anymore. No. Okay. You say no? <laughs> I say you're not going to do it. Okay. There you go. I'm going to fix it. Figure it out. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, to episode four.